all of you. Great to see you here in this uh, beautiful, beautiful day the Lord's given us. As you're opening up your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 28, uh, I just want to highlight uh, one, of, one of the announcements in the ladies' Christmas tea that's uh, quickly approaching here on December 16th, that Saturday, the third Saturday of the month, from 10 to 1. There's a sign-up sheet, ladies, and, uh, and a flyer, so take one to remind you, but also to um, hand them out to your friends that uh, may or may not come to the church at all, but uh, and family members, that what a wonderful opportunity to invite them to be part of something um, of the festivities, of course, this, but to most of all, to under uh, to to be able to spend time in the Word together, pray together, and uh, break and break bread together, have a meal together, and what a beautiful thing it is for the ladies to do that. So, encourage you, ladies, men. I encourage you to encourage your ladies to come, get them out. You're big boys. You can take care of the kids. You know all those things. So, I definitely want to encourage you to to make sure uh, you encourage your your ladies to come and join. First Samuel chapter 28. God's silence. Most people do not handle silence well. Even for a short period of silence. Those awkward silence pauses, but even long-term silence. And we must develop those that silence and dealing with silence uh, in our own spiritual life that we can sit silently before God and allow him time to be able to speak to our and through our into our minds and our hearts about the things he would like us to know and understand according to his will and tonight we will see a man who had to deal with King Saul, a silence that is not a good silence. <laughs> when God goes silent on you because you haven't been listening to him up to that point. Let us pray and let us get into the word. Father, we thank you again for your word this evening. And as we open up uh, the, your book here this, morning, this, this evening, Lord, we pray that you will uh, speak to our hearts by your spirit Help us to understand, help us to apply, but also, again, Lord, just be thankful of as you speak to us, Lord, that we have hearts of, of, that we would like to receive, ears that desire to hear, and, uh, and let, us, let, let us be open to what your, your word has for us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. David is in a place called Ziglag. That's not a good place for a king, <laughs> for a king, a future king, uh, that God is called to be the king of Israel. But David's not in a good place. If you remember in chapter 27, he'd gone a little squirrely. He, got in, he went into the darkness and he found when you're you're leaning on your own understanding and feelings and, and fears and these things. If you don't quickly come to God and settle on who he is and what he says about that situation, we have a tendency to run or a tendency to go 
uh, and a place where we don't, we, God never would call us to go do. And that is, in this case, David went to Ziglag. He went into the enemy territory. He went into, back into the land uh, of Achish, who openly this time welcomed him because, and his 600 men and all the families that went with it because they realized and heard that David was not in good uh, standing with King Saul, and King Saul continues to look, seek after his life, even though that last time that they met, uh, clearly uh, that would be the last time that David and Saul would actually meet. Yes, David was in Ziglag, and we notice in the scripture about 16 months later uh, of him hiding out and playing a role that was not true, it was not honest, he was lying to Achish. He said when him and his men went out and was getting all this loot and all the ox and all these animals and, and stuff, he was approached and where are you going? And he was implied that he was going to the southern uh, part of Israel and, and taking out the Israelites' little towns and taking everything, but it wasn't true. He was actually taking out the enemy territory. He was just pretending so he could be under disguise. But that lie, that pretending, that avoidance, that passiveness that he was trying to avoid the situation at hand, come back to, uh, he had to pay the bill. Uh, it's coming 16 months later, and he finds that now Akesh uh, built a trust up on a lie of what David presented who he was when he wasn't really who he was at that time. And, um, and he put David in a position that said, I want you to be my right-hand man. I want you to be my, my bodyguard. My, my literally one that sticks with me everywhere I go. And your, your men will be part of it, and you're going to be with me. And when we go out and go conquer Israel, you're going to be with me. I, I trust you. But David was in his back sitting state, and, and he, he did not see, he didn't see this coming. He didn't realize what that lie was going to lead, uh, lead to and put a compromising in his life because he didn't uh, tell the truth. He kept uh, pretending of one thing. And so David, when, when he decided to, you know, he, a lesson learned very quickly <laughs> that we should all learn from. When you sit there and you go into a certain backslide and you start going to do your own thing and you think, you know, you're leaning on your understanding and you're starting to walk away from the things of God and you start deciding to separate yourself from the people of God and you start hanging out in the Philistine country more, into the world more, yes, you feel kind of better because you felt the pressure where you were at in the position you were at over here. Yes, and you felt the pressure feel like it came off because you got to do what you, you knew was right and I'm going to do it anyway and, and we're going to go there. But it actually led to him to that, a very big problem in his life. And let's understand David Every temptation the devil presents our way is a gift wrapped as a present. Like, if this is good, this is right, it must be of God. But it's not true. Not true at all. And you'll end up paying the price for that little gift wrapping you thought was free and good and right. And it end up going to cost you. Versus testing all things and making sure it truly is of God. Here's David saying, I gotta run, I gotta hide, I gotta get to separate myself from these people and from this stuff. I'm just gonna start a whole I can start a whole new life somewhere else. David, what we would call is was in spiritual fatigue. 
It can happen in the ministry. It can happen serving God. It can happen. You can get into a spiritual fatigue and you have a tendency to start having emotions and feelings of things. You need. I, I just need to change things up and move things. And I guarantee you the enemy will be loved to gift wrap you and, and almost present it like this of, of God. And it was not of God at all. So 1 Samuel 28 we pick up in verse 3. Why? Because if you looked at verses 1 and 2 that we ended last time, it, now it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for war to fight with Israel. And Achish said to David, You would certainly know that you will go out with me to battle you and your men. So David said to Achish, Surely you know what your servant can do. He didn't say yes. He says, Oh, so you've been watching me. So you know what I'm capable of doing. He didn't say yes or no. He gave the passive-aggressive approach. Like when you don't really want to be honest, you're passive aggressive. You didn't say yes or no. You just said, oh, you acknowledge some, something that, yes, true. And Achish said to David, therefore, I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. I'm going to have you full time, man. You're going to be right with me here. And then I found David to be in a bad position because now Samuel in verse 3 had died. And all Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. Then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. We'll pause right there. We see here in these first three to, verses 3 to 5 that, wait a minute, Samuel just died here now? No, we saw it first mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 1. But here it's mentioned again to really emphasize a spiritual point of the impact that this is going to have on Saul. We're going to see that this void, the spiritual void left by Samuel's departure is going to come now and, and, and find Saul finding himself going, where am I going to turn to? Who am I going to turn to? Where do I turn to? Because Why? Because God went silent on him. We will see that. But it's also noted, not only as Samuel had died, but he also, Saul had, when he first came into that position of king, did what was right according to the, the word of God, and he cast out all those mediums and spiritists out of the land. He cast them out. Why? Because give credit, as credit's due here, Saul obeyed the commandments of the Mosaic law when he first took into position of king. He was, it started off well, but he doesn't end well. Here we see that he did kick him out because of the Mosaic law. He was told he, he needed to make sure these people who were cultists were uh, these cultists and were playing in these practices that were impacting God's people and they had to get out. So God commanded these mediums and spiritists to be out of there. They should have no place among God's people. Mediums. Spiritists. None of this stuff should be anywhere touching in God's people. Why? Because even Leviticus is very clear. Leviticus 19.31 says, Give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. That means even things that kind of remotely acts and, and goes on the fringe of these, these medians and spirit issues. You're not to touch these things. 
Do not seek after them. Do, don't be looking for your horoscope. Why? Because to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Who are, you're supposed to be seeking after me, not seeking after other gods or demonic forces. You're not supposed to be playing with those things. In Leviticus 20, verse 6, it says, And the person who turns to mediums and familiar spirits to prostitute himself with them, to give himself, his whole body over to them, I will set my face against that person and cut him off from his people. Because you can't have this. That's cancerous. You get these people who are saying they're Christians and starting to play with these mediums and spiritists and all these kinds of things and even like it, uh, familiar spirits. You, 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 you got to deal with that in, in the people who are around you. You got to deal with that because it will affect you. Leviticus 20, verse 27, a man or a woman who is a medium or who has familiar spirits shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. God did not mess around with this back in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 14. When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. It's an abomination. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft or sorcerer, or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells or a medium or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God dries them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you will dispossess, listened to soothsayers and diviners, diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed you such for you. It's not, it's not a question, as a Christian, is this something you can do or not? What's the big deal with a, uh, 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 a uh, uh, wuji board? Or, or I think it's uh, drawing a blank now. Anyway, one of the boards there. Or horoscopes, or palm readers, or tarot cards. Those are things we should not be messing with. They are dangerous links to demonic forces. And people don't believe that. Yeah, they just don't believe it. They think it's just a game. Just spirit of fun, you would hear. Oh, it's a spirit of fun, but it's a dark spirit. Wujibor, I think that's the name. Christians should have nothing to do with occultist practices. Stay away from the channelers. That's another terminology, a oh, channeler. You'll hear that. It's a more modern term that you'll hear today. They sometimes just redisguise it a little bit. But during this period of time of the warning that he says here, what happens is the Philistines choose to gather together and come and encamp at Shunem. Why? I believe it's because they see weakness. They see the nation is divided. 
They see the nation is at odds. They see the, the king is weak. We see the fact that Samuel, the one they feared the most, they feared not Saul as much as they feared Samuel because they know, as the Philistines, when Samuel was involved, he heard from God and God led and wiped out them. So as soon as they see Samuel's gone, remember, Saul wiped out all the prophets, all the priests, all of them. Were, the only prophet that was even, uh, even remotely there is now with David, who is now in enemy territory, who supposedly on the Philistines died inside, at least in their perspective. And so when Saul saw that army of the Philistines gathered, we, he was greatly afraid. His heart was trembled greatly. Why? Because where he was positioned and his people were at a high ground, the Philistines were at a low ground. They could see from a distance and the massive army that was coming his way, he knew he was in trouble. He knew there was going to be, a, 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 this was the end. Why? Why was he now afraid? Because long before he started his spiral down, when he didn't even know he was spiraling down, when Saul st still walked in the spirit, he was a man of great courage, we saw back in chapter 11. When you're walking in the spirit and truth, there is great courage and great strength to live and conquer and go against the enemy. But when Saul began to lose his courage is when the spirit withdrew from him in chapter 16. And now after the death of Samuel, his courage seems almost completely gone because he didn't even have a man, right hand man, that he could turn to, a spiritual leader kind of, to turn to, to, to seek for him to seek God. He had no one. He was on his own. He's going to be isolated feeling now. And that's exactly what happens when you're walking not in the spirit and walking on your own. And you think you're in your right mind. You're going, you think you're going down the right path. It becomes very, it becomes very lonely. Verse 6, and so when Saul inquired of the Lord... So he did turn to, when he got really fired, at least he went to the Lord. That's a, it's a step here. But the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams, or by Urim, or by the prophets. <laughs> he's, he's, he's seeking after the Lord, and one of those three ways in the past, that's how God spoke to him. Saul was in a terrible, dark place right here. The Philistines are threatened. Saul's courage has failed. Now God was silent when Saul desperately needed to hear from him. Saul hoped God would speak to him through one of those three ways. I can see him every night. Oh, I just want to go to sleep. I hope he speaks to me in my dream. Where's the Urim? It's not showing any indication whatsoever. It's not giving me any direction. You, you wiped out all the prophets. There's no prophet around you, so the prophets are not showing up because you wiped them all out. He had hoped God would speak to him. God chose to be silent with him. The Lord did not answer him. 
And that demonstrates that God will not always answer everyone who seeks him. Not when a man is in a place of judgment as Saul is, God goes silent on that man. King Saul had rejected the things of God, the people of God, even though he was overseeing him. And so King Saul has rejected and is currently rejecting God's previously revealed will. He knew what God's will was and he was not willing to do it. And since Saul didn't care to obey God in what God had already told him and and Saul knew what he was supposed to do, God will not give him more to know. Why would I give you more if you're not listening to me the first time? You're not taking my counsel. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to be quiet until you finally listen and obey. So yes, at least Saul at least desperately inquired of the Lord. There's a lot of non-believers will actually turn to God in their desperate state. The only thing that God wants to hear from someone who's a non-believer in their desperate state is a repentance. And to be broken and to call out for mercy and grace and, and to be saved and to, to repent and be forgiven of their sins. That's all what God's willing to listen and respond to. But Saul knew what God did not want him to do. He knew he was not to touch David. And he was doing it anyway. Saul just just thought, no big deal, right? Even though he heard in chapter 24 and chapter 26, he knew clearly this is of God. God has brought you here. You could have taken my life. I know this. This is of God. This is very clear to me that I'm not to touch you, not to kill you. I'm going to walk away and praise God and all God, 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 God stuff. Yes, 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 all God. Yes, I know you heard from God. Yes, yes, yes. But he didn't really believe it. That was just all Christian talk. That was all just a religious talk. And now when he, he needed God and he needed, for God's people, he's crying out. And if he really wanted God to guide him, if we really want God to guide us, we must follow or obey what the guidance we already have been received from him. We've got to be faithful and obedient to him. And when we reject the word of the Lord, when we reject the word of the Lord, we can still be comforted by the fact that he speaks to us. But at some point, As we continue to reject his word, he may stop speaking to us. He may actually go silent on us. And we'll lose any comfort in him that we had. Until we repent, until we're obedient, until we come back to him. In verse 7, then Saul said to his servants, find me a woman who is a medium. Uh Uh-oh that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, In fact, there is, a, there is a woman who is a medium in Endor. 
Some people would say quickly the witch of Endor, if you've heard that term. So Saul distinguished himself, or disguised, I should say, himself, and put on other clothes, and he went, and two men with him. That's never good when you have to put a disguise on and go in darkness here. And they came to the woman by night. And he said, please conduct a seance for me and bring up for me the one I shall name to you. Well, this gets interesting. God went silence instead of him repenting and giving God say, God goes silent so that you would just cry out and say, well, Lord, if there's whatever, if there's any wicked way in me, please, Lord, reveal it to me. And if I know it, I need to repent, I need to change. God goes silence many times to draw us closer to him. Is that what happened with Saul here? No. He chose to go to the dark side even further. He turns around and asks for a medium. Why? Isn't he the one he just killed and got him rid of them all? Yeah, because he at the point in time he was he knew to do that. But because he went back to the vomit that he was so used to in the past, he went back to what he knew, what he, he trusted. He went back even to the medium, into the dark side. He started leaning on his own understanding. He was grasping for anything to find the, to find out what he needs to do and how to do it. He went to this witch. He went to a woman who's a medium. He went to Endor, the witch of Endor, as they say. To a chandler, to, to someone to, to conduct a, 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 a science, a science, seance and bring them together here as, uh, to find out what he, he's going to ask her to bring up this person by name who he's going to be asking to. Please look up this person. I want to talk to him. He's dead. I need to talk to him. <laughs> but remember, when you need to disguise yourself and go in darkness, you are in a bad place. And he's going to ask her, ask the medium to channel the deceased prophet Samuel to find out what he is to do. Why? Because the last person who helped him come to God to find out God's will was who? Was Samuel. Saul's like a man going to a palm reader to read the will of God. I don't know the will of God. I don't know the will of God. Instead of opening the Bible and seeking God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, you go to a palm reader and say, what is the will of God for my life? Nothing new into the sun. But this shows you the depth of darkness of Saul's fall from God. And how it has affected his mind. He has gone squirrely here. Because he's not thinking clearly. But in his mind, if you ask him, if you think, is this the right thing to do? Yes, I know this is the right thing to do. But he didn't because his action shows. He went in disguise. He went in, in, in at nighttime. He, but he actually asked his servants to find a medium. And they actually knew who a medium was. Which tells you the people around him knew what's going on. Even though they were supposed to all be killed and be ousted out. He is are now around the worldly people in Endor here. He's going to find someone. 
The Hebrew word for medium is oeb. It means mumbling and speaking with a strange, hollow sound, channeling for the dead person speaking through them. Because they become the stand and the mediator between the person requesting and the dead or demonic force. But what's interesting here, his twisted thinking here, it shows the depths of his fall from God. But look what happens in verse 9, because God is going to show up here. Look at this. Then the woman said to him, Look, you know what Saul has done? How he has cut off the mediums and the spiritists from the land? Why then do you lay a snare for my life to cause me to die? She, 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 you know, she's, darkness has a lot of this, a lot of wisdom in many, they're very crafty. So she's t basically testing everyone who's walking in. Who are you? You're showing up here and you're asking me to do something. Wait a minute, you know what the deal is. Saul wiped everybody out. You know you, like, this can get me killed. Why would you come asking me something like this? This is crazy. He's testing him. Are you, are you setting me up here? Are you got an undercover? Are you, are you wired? You got a camera on me? Because something's not right here. He's, she's testing to make sure she's not getting her, going to get herself killed. Why are you laying a snare for my life to cause me to die? What's his response? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. How can he promise that? She doesn't know who this guy is. He took off all of his uh, authority, all of his robes, anything that give him any indication that he was the king or of any of authority or government. And put on plain clothes, like some Joe Schmo coming in to, to, to just like everybody else, been secretly coming in and paying her to, to, do, to, to be a medium. But he, she's just checking out is this a sting operation? Is this the government coming in? Am I being wired here? And Saul's oath is so. Bad and so dark. His oath is actually says, I swear I owe an oath to her by the Lord's day. By the Lord. Just reminds us. It doesn't matter if you say, Oh, it's of the Lord. It just spiritual jargon means nothing if it's not truly in the will of God. I mean, Saul was in absolute, complete disobedience. He was in darkness, and he's still using God's name like, he, he, like he, there's authority behind that, that God's in this thing. This is the last time Saul used the name of the Lord in 1 Samuel. This is the last time he'll do, he'll do this. And he's using it to swear to a medium so that she will inquire for him. This is a desperate man. When you're in darkness and you're thinking, you'll do dark and desperate things. 
Verse 11, then the woman said, whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, notice that. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. She was shocked. And the woman spoke to Saul, saying, why have you deceived me? Wait, wait, wait. The woman spoke to Saul, saying, why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. How did she know that? We don't know how she knows that. But when she pulled up and saw Saul, God, God showed up and revealed Saul in front of her who he was. And she realized she was deceived. Oh no, this is not good. This is the king himself who killed all the other mediums. But the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What did you see? And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. Out of the earth. Ascending out of the earth. So he, he said to her, what is his form? What did he look like? Tell me what he looked like. I need to know what does he look like. And she said, an old man is coming up. And he is covered with a mantle or a robe. A very specific robe that he used to probably wore, which is interesting. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped, or he yeah, stooped with his face to the ground and bowed down. So why did Saul in the first place want to see Samuel? Gotta ask the question. Why is he I mean, with everything going on, why Samuel? Because you have to understand what he's dealing with in his life right now. Samuel was very much involved in Saul's life in the beginning. He's the one anointed. He's the one who would rebuke him when he was going. He would always be going to God and then rebuking him to get him back on track and doing what God's will is. You'd think this would be the last person that Saul would want to hear, getting another rebuke from Samuel from the dead. Maybe Saul thought, maybe it's like, like good old days, like maybe Samuel will do one more time to find out what the will is and get God on my side. Can you? It's very simple for me to see this. He says, I can't go to God because he's not listening. He's gone silent on me. I'll find someone to be my mediator in between me and God and to find out what I need to do. In the midst of his sin and depression and demonic influences, all this stuff, Saul forgot that Samuel was in fact his advisory when he went into sin to rebuke him to get him out of sin and correct him. At this point, Saul will take anybody. But the one he knows had, uh, uh, he would always, God would always answer Samuel. But the medium was very shocked. Because Samuel really appeared from the world below and she was completely surprised to have a real encounter with the spirit realm and it shocked her and brought her to a point of crying out with a loud voice 
and then being spoken to in a way that clearly revealed that the man who's asking is actually Saul. That just, that, that whole realm right there. I, maybe it's by God's grace to shock her out of what she's been doing and, and turn away and turn to the living God. Whatever God is using this person to bring about his will and clarity. Because she was practicing this craft. This is what she did. She made it, you know, she not, this is not like a, 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 um, a, a, a magic ball that, you know, in front of her. And she's rubbing the ball. Oh, I'm, I see him. I think I see the man coming. Now, what does he look like? And, and he's, he's an old man. Oh, he, yeah, he's, this guy's coming. He's looking old. He not, she's not playing games here because she might have. That's what she maybe normally do. But when she choo- chose to this time. Literally, this man that she was calling out actually showed up. And she saw him. She obviously believed, I believe, she heard him. And when that happened and she described, Saul perceived and discerned and knew, yes, that is Samuel. And he humbled himself, broke to the ground. Now, it's interesting, the Hebrew word translated here for the word spirit that she says, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth, which is very interesting. Because in the New King James Version that we read through is actually the Hebrew word Elohim, which means it's a plurality. It means gods, often applied to one God we see even in Genesis. Our God is Elohim. Three gods in one. One God is in it, but in a plural form. And it speaks of the Trinity. It speaks of God's greatness. But here she couldn't, dis- she can, she can only say it's God's because she comes from a pagan context. All she says is this, this is something I've never seen. It's just a spirit. I, 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 it's, it's amazing. Overwhelming where she's crying out because of what's happening. But I, you look and you look and read and read and read this, is, you can kind of sense that not only did Saul, um, Samuel appear to her, but also to even to Saul, it appears Saul perceived that it was Samuel, meaning there's going to be something here. It's not some crystal ball moment here. And it's not just some card revealing and flipped up the wrong card or right card. But it wasn't even a voice in the darkness here. Like a seance. It was a real appearance of Samuel. Now you ponder on that for a while and you can kind of sit there and see what, what, what it, how do you explain that? Well, based on the study, I, 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 I would, I'm bringing it down to a few things. I, 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 I believe this is what it, you know, people think about. And some believe that this is just a hallucination of the medium. He was just hallucinating. Or it's a deception by the medium, and median, and that's just a deception, and this is all taking place. But I don't agree with that. It would have caused her to cry out in a loud voice and all those things. She, she would have known what was going on. That wouldn't have caused her to do that. Some believe that this is a demonic impersonation. It's a demonic. It's just impersonating a Samuel. Demonics know what, what, what Samuel looked like. Do you know what demons know what you look like? 
knows your life, knows what you're doing, knows what your patterns are. They can mimic things to make think it's, it's something of God when it may not be of God at all. So demons know what we look like and how we act and do. But again, I don't think that's possible because the medium in this cultic powers summoning up the demonic spirits would, it would, that deceive both her and Saul. That would, it, that's just not... I don't see how that can justify justifying what the, what's, what's happening here. Because what advantage does Satan have and to gain by deceiving both the medium and Saul in this situation? So I, I believe that this is a genuine, straightforward appearance of Samuel. Because it sports the, the reaction of the medium who got more than she bargained for, more than she ever thought she would ever happen. This never happened, obviously, what took place. And it also supported the truth what Samuel said. So some may say that it's impossible for Samuel to reappear in some way, coming from the world beyond back to this world. That's impossible. Not true. Why? Because when you study Matthew 17, 3, but God brought back Moses and Elijah almost from the world beyond back to the world so that they were appear with Jesus at the transfiguration. So we see God can bring someone back from the dead and bring them to a position to be revealed to what's going on. And again, go back to Matthew 17, 3 and see that. So, when, he, when Saul said, it's Samuel, he just, just that straight appearance, he just, I know it's who it is, it's reconfirmed, it's, it's, this is, I'm going to finally find out what I need to do. But the problem is, is Saul didn't find out what, to, was gonna, what he want, God wanted him to do, he ended up finding out and reconfirming the judgment that's going to come upon him. It's not what he wanted to hear. Again, a lesson, lesson learned. When we close our ears to God, He will find unusual, dramatic, and very uncomfortable ways to speak to us. To change our heart. To help us to understand we need to be obedient. Verse 15, now Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I like that. <laughs> it's actually a little comical for me because Samuel's like, dude, why are, you, why are you disturbing me? I'm in Abraham's bosom. I'm in a good place. I'm not dealing with his worldly things. I'm in a good place. This is, I am at peace down there. I'm comforted down there. I am, I am being taken good care. Why would you disturb me and bring me up? I can, you know, how did he say it? You know, and what did Saul say? Saul answered, I am deeply distressed. It's all about me. Samuel, it isn't about you, it's all about me. You know, when people are selfish in their darkness and they're spinning out of control, they're not in the will of God, they think they're in the will of God, it's all about them. Everything revolves around them, their life. <laughs> Samuel's like, why did you disturb me? 
I, it's all about me here, Samuel. I'm depressed. I'm deeply distressed here. For the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore, I have called you that you may reveal to me what I should do. Very simple. <laughs> he didn't have to ask Samuel and call him up through a medium and break all of the, go against God in all these ways to find out God's will. You have, you're a King Saul. You're supposed to protect God's people. Why are you asking anyone what you should do? You're supposed to go fight the Philistines. They're coming after you. They're in the land. And Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, seeing the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? Saul, if you know that God has gone silent on you, He's not talking to you. He's not speaking to you and all these things. Why would you ask me? You think I'm God is really what he's asking. Why? Who am I? If God's not speaking, do you think I'm going to speak to you or ask him to speak to you? When God's not speaking to you, no. what are you doing here? Why do you ask me? You clearly can see that the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy. And the Lord has done for himself as he spoke by me. Now Samuel, God is going to use Samuel to speak truth into Saul's life again and say, let me remind you what I told you. Didn't say in the words, I told you so, but basically in our lingo, basically I told you so. I told you as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David. Call them right out there. I told you this before, Saul. You've been fighting against this truth. And now God has given you room to repent, repent, repent. Multiple times, especially the two times when David could have taken you out and God held David back. Multiple times for you to come to your senses and stop thinking about yourself. And now it's too late. This silence that he's experiencing wasn't to just only draw him. No, no, the silence was, I'm done talking here. Now it's time to fulfill. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and has given it to your neighbor, David, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord nor execute his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Very clear. Years have passed. God doesn't forget. You were disobedient. You never repented. You never changed. Why? Because you, I told you that God's torn the kingdom out of your hand. It was only a time where it was going to be a transition. You fought it all the way. Why? Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and you did not do what he asked you to do to take out the Amalek. And that's why he's done it. That's why he's silent. That's why God's silent on you. And that's why this has all come to, come to play. Why? But here's, 
Samuel, he's not in heaven yet. Remember that Jesus hasn't come yet. He hasn't died on the cross yet. So any of the believers in God were in Abraham's bosom down in Hades there. There was two compartments. Those who did not uh, have a, a faith in, in God was in, uh, in torment. And he, but not, no, no, but not Samuel. Samuel was on Abraham's bosom. He was on that side of comfort. He was on that good side of just really being comfortable and comforted and just spending time there waiting for what? The Messiah to, to come. Jesus to come to die on the cross for the sins of the world. And when Jesus died on the cross, that he ushered out those in Abraham's bosom into heaven. When Jesus finished the work on the cross, sin's penalty was paid for these believing dead. Samuel was one of them, and they were then ushered into heaven. But it didn't matter, Saul. It was about, I'm distressed. But he recognized that God had departed from him. And he wanted to know, what should I do? Sam, you are always on God's side here. I know if I, can, if I can get you to talk to God for me. And Samuel wasn't going to bite on that one. Why would I even inquire of God when you already know the answer? It's interesting. The test of any spirit encounter or angelic revelation, as someone would say, you must test all things. Is it, does that line up with the biblical message? And if it doesn't, it doesn't matter what kind of impressive encounter you had with that angel or that that experience of emotion of worship it doesn't matter what your experience of what it was in any of those things if it doesn't line up with the scripture but many people today they go by experience after experience and and in angel experiences and all these things that are going on and and again we have to be very careful it doesn't matter if any angel from heaven or even Samuel himself says anything. Preach any other gospel to you. The scripture is very clear in Galatians chapter 1.8. Let him be accursed. And then he lined up exactly why God was against him and not for him right here. He made it very clear in Samuel 15. Verses 8, 28, and 29, that the Lord had torn the kingdom of Israel from him. But apparently the 15 or so years, give or take, after that event in 1 Samuel 15, Saul thought perhaps the Lord would change his mind. He tried to take David out. Maybe he'll change his mind and then he had no one else and I get to stay in as a king. Samuel made it very clear. God had not changed his mind. <laughs> he's, he's allowed me to come up because it certainly wasn't the medium that called him up. God is the one that brought him up to make sure he heard it from the mouth of Samuel directly so he would finally hear it 
And now get it. The kingdom is torn out of your hands. He's wearing the same mantle, the same robe. Remember, remember Saul when you ripped his robe back in chapter 15? Do you get it now? Is it clear to you now? Verse 19, moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel. So Samuel was on a, on a roll. He says, not only are you losing the kingdom, but the Lord will also deliver Israel with you into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also deliver the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Now, I love this moment here because if you stop at verse 18 and before, you, don't, you miss this point in verse 19. God allowed and pulled and brought Samuel up through this medium, not because of the medium, but he just used that moment to bring Samuel because he knew that he would be a great vessel because Saul was calling upon him to, to hear his voice. He says, great, I'll, call, I'll bring him up. Not only to remind him of what oh, he already knows that the kingdom is taken out, but God tells Samuel to tell Saul one more time the will of God. It's not what Saul was betting on. Not what he was call, why he called up Samuel. If he knew this was the thing, he would have never called him up, I'm sure. God is going to deliver the nation of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Why? Because your sin, your disobedience, everything, doesn't affect just you. Now it affects the nation of Israel. And tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. He's not in heaven, and we don't know where he's going to be when he goes down into the Hades, but Abraham's bosom or, 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 or the side of torment, but clearly he's going, he's going to die. That's the main point. He's going to die. I don't know where that is because it doesn't make clear. He just says, you'll be with me. Some people lean the fact that they're going to be with him in the, on Abraham's bosom. I just think, he'd, I don't know. But the Lord will also deliver the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. <laughs> Here's the night before the battle. Saul disguised himself, taking off every sign of royalty. Dressed in common clothes. Marched his little behind 10 mile journey up to Mount Gilboa, Gilboa to Endor, Endor. And would pass really close to the Philistine lines just to get to that place. But he didn't want to get recognized. To find out a message, you're going to die tomorrow in battle. Saul learned that from Sam, you're going to die tomorrow. That meal that you're going to have... We'll find out here in a minute, is it going to be your last meal? You'll see in the next, next verses here. But, but notice, Samuel didn't tell him what he wanted to hear or what would happen. He goes very clear that God's judgment was already in motion. You're not going to stop it. There's no repentance now. It is done. You're, you're finished. It's going to be, and he laid it all out according to God's uh, will. Obviously, God gave that to Samuel to tell him clearly. And it will affect other people, not just you. Verse 20. Then immediately Saul fell full length on the ground and was dreadfully afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him. 
for he had eaten no food all day or all night. <laughs> so it's not just the impact of what Samuel told Saul that would bring him down. Almost, you know, just almost drop dead almost. But it was even so impactful that his blood must have rushed out of his head because he's already he was fasting. Obviously, he hadn't eaten no food all day and all night and all the stress and everything. And the blood rushed out of his, his head. He just he was down. No strength. I mean, think about those words. You're looking for a solution. You're looking to stay in power and stay in position and stay in, in what your will is. And it was revealed completely opposite. You're actually going to lose your life because of that disobedience. That will make your head, the blood rush out of your head. Now you have the Philistines against them. Now you have the Lord God himself against you. And he's an enemy. Verse 21. And the woman came to Saul, a medium, and saw that he was severely troubled and said to him, Look, your maidservant has obeyed your voice, and I have put my life in my hands and heeded the words which you spoke to me. Now, therefore, please don't die here. <laughs> no. <laughs> now, therefore, please heed also the voice of your maidservant and let me set a piece of bread before you and eat that you may have strength when you go on your way. Get, I want you out of here. Now, you can't be dying here and, and camping here. You got to go. But he refused and said, I will not eat. So his servants, together with the woman, urged him and he heeded their voice. Then he arose from the ground and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fatted calf in the house, which tells you that she had money. You just don't have a fatted calf laying around. I mean, so she had some kind of wealth, probably because she, her medium business was very lucrative. And she hastened to kill it. And she took flour and kneaded it and baked unleavened bread from it. And so she brought it before Saul and his servants, and they ate. Then they arose and went away that night. Came in the night, and he left before the night, so no one could see him. But what a sad, sad note. Here's the cultist. A witch comforting the king of Israel. The world comforting Israel, the king of Israel. But they were two of the same kind. Each lived in rebellion to God. Each under the judgment from the Lord. And yes, this is the last meal he will have that night. Last meal of a man going on death row. Waiting execution in the morning. And it was given to him by a witch. Very sad life. That is where we, do, we say he didn't finish well. But his guys convinced him, take some food, get enough strength, let's get out of here. And Saul left this strange encounter. Strange moment. Tragic fate. Sadness to no end. 
seeking darkness. And when you start seeking darkness, you'll, you'll find death. It, it, that's the result of it. And that's a sad, sad thing we'll see. We'll pick back up uh, in the next chapter. Uh, the, that play out uh, in the next, as we continue. Father, we thank you. We praise you for your word and for who you are. And we want to, Lord, learn from this word, Lord. Let us be obedient. Immediate obedience, Lord. We want to hear your voice. We want to seek you through and by your word. You speak to us by your word. Let us be cautious. If it's not confirmed and, and, and led by your word. Lord, because we want to hear you clearly. We want to seek you. We want to abide in you. We desire more of you. Not of us. Not our ways. Not our desires. But Lord, may you put your desire on our heart. May we live a life that is pleasing to you, Lord. In all the ways, every aspect of our life. That's where the comfort and the joy and stability comes, is in you. The rock that we stand upon is you. Let us not to turn to any darkness, any of these, these medians and all these other Ouija boards and anything else that comes into play and is just games and disguised by the enemy to, to play these things just to tempt us in all these different ways to just bring our guards down. Movies we see talking how great and wonderful it is of witches and, and warlocks and all these things are just desensitizing and drawing people to the dark things of this of the world. The demonic forces of the world, Lord. As children of yours, you warn us over and over not to touch not to entertain, but to avoid and to keep a distance. Lord, may we have hearts in praying for those who are caught up into that darkness. We see it even in our own town, Lord. Places you can go openly. May we pray for your spirit to move. Not people who run those would just Surrender their life to you, Lord, and walk away from all that darkness, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.